0: We're moving in a new direction, moving forward, and moving beyond smoking. We are Altria, and our companies are leading the way in moving adult smokers away from cigarettes by taking action to transition millions toward potentially less harmful choices as we move from being known as a tobacco company to being recognized as a tobacco harm reduction company. Altria is moving beyond smoking. Find out how at altria.com.
1: bringing to you mind-blowing interviews with guests from all over the world. So settle down, relax, and enjoy the show. Oh yeah, by the way, if you like the podcast, please support Elmo's World Podcast on Patreon. Your support is what helps the podcast improve more and more. Welcome to Elmo's World Podcast. This is Elmo and I'm with my friend Tobias. Hey man, can you introduce yourself?
2: Yeah, so like Elmo said, my name is Tobias. I am 23 years old, currently a student. I'm in law school in my very first year. I graduated from university back in 2019. I got my bachelor's degree in economics from there. And during my time there, I also took a few philosophy classes, you know, mainly like the introductory stuff and was pretty involved with the on-campus philosophical community. So I like went to philosophy club and had a pretty good time doing that. You know, had some pretty good relationships with my philosophy professors philosophy a lot with them and these days i you know i don't study philosophy as much as i used to um but when i do i'm mainly like interested in researching the philosophy of religion and sometimes the philosophy of mind too uh in regards to philosophy of religion i'm specifically interested in cosmological arguments for the existence of god uh and then in regards to like the philosophy of mind i'm kind of interested in different models of the person along with different arguments that have been made to the effect that there's like certain mental states that are irreducible to physical states of the brain and yeah that's pretty much it in regards to that
1: all right all right well um so uh tobias can i ask you um why you are interested in philosophy like you know you're you're a young man 23 year old you know two years older than me i guess but why philosophy why what's with it that really sort of um you know lets you follow it and talk about it and think about it in your spare time
2: yeah so i mean my interest in philosophy in a way has always been tied to my own interests in religion so uh growing up i i think always had kind of like a i don't know i don't want to say philosophical personality but i think i was just always like really curious and like the big questions and you know i remember when i was younger i was kind of satisfied with thinking that some of these questions just had to be taken on faith like the question of like whether or not God exists. And it wasn't until I got a bit older that that reliance on just faith and not like actual reasons uh, wasn't enough, you know, because I kind of came to a point where, you know, I was dealing with, you know, just different personal struggles during like one period of my life in particular. And I was, you know, relying on religion as I think you know most religious people do to kind of get me through it but Mm -hmm. I kind of came to this realization one day that if my religion wasn't true then my sort of like my my source of like comfort like what I was kind of taking refuge in wouldn't like have any basis either so I kind of you know realized from then on that if I'm gonna actually like put like faith and like hope in something, I'm gonna have to have like, you know, some good reasons to believe it, or else, you know, there's kind of like not really like any sort of foundation for my for like my comfort and my hope. And that's what triggered my my philosophical journey, which, you know, still ongoing. I suspect it's gonna keep going for the rest of my life. But you know, I kind of went through Kind of like a, a battery of different thinkers that I I think kind of like relied on a lot for my own philosophical beliefs uh throughout my my own journey you know guys like um like C.S. Lewis and William Lane Craig in the beginning and now that I'm a bit older I've kind of gravitated more in the direction of like classical theist thinkers so that's a kind of like a brief summary of like my philosophical journey and why I sort of got started on it, it was mainly because I wanted to know, like, you know, are there good reasons to believe in God and, you know, to you know, be a Christian and whatnot, so. Yeah,
1: no, that's pretty good, man. All right. Then, like, can, you, can we sort of start at the, the basics of what you believe? Like, what would you say is the, the biggest, you know, axiom that you rely on that you know to be true? Or where do, you, do we, where do we start to find out like the ultimate truth, how would you start?
2: Okay. Um, Well, I mean, I think it's like, I think most people kind of either take it for granted or just don't really find like that much reason to doubt it that there's like an external world. Like I know that there's different thought experiments that, you know, kind of argue that, the world could be like illusory. Like maybe it's like, you know, the way that we perceive things isn't like the way that they actually are. But I mean, even if that's the case, I think that these arguments still kind of work. I mean, I I kind of start with like this view that the world as I see it is pretty much how it is. And from there, you kind of look at certain phenomena that present themselves to experience. So for me in particular, it's probably going to be mainly like the existence of composite things. So things with parts. And from there, I kind of would, will reason to God, like to the existence of something that, you know, at at this point, I would say something that is without parts, but I kind of am like looking in other directions to maybe not have to conclude to something like, I don't want to necessarily, necessarily say so extreme, but something that maybe is like, a really tightly interconnected unity as opposed to something that's like absolutely simple but yeah that's just like an area that i'm kind of interested in right now and i'm looking into but i haven't really like developed my views on just yet but yeah in short uh the starting point of my own sort of like views is probably going to be that there's a world and it's pretty much how i perceive it
1: Well, uh, so in this case then you sort of established that okay Reality is reality. I'm not a solip. You're not a solipsist, right? There is an objective reality, uh, world out there, and we're all sharing it, and there are all other minds and all these basic stuff. But how do you sort of move? Uh, like, where do you go from there after? If you if you you know, sort of ground everything on that.
2: Well, from there, it's you know, like I said. I mean, like, are you are you saying like, how do I get from like God? Yeah, there.
1: maybe, maybe just anywhere. Like to how you know in terms of like answering the big questions of 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 philosophy.
2: Yeah, the big questions. So, I would I would say it's you know like it's a matter of you know like again like you observe that there's these different features of the world and you try to make sense of them using argumentation. So, if I like notice that there's in the world things that have you know, parts, you know, and, you know, parts that maybe are even deeper than, you know, what we would call like physical parts, maybe the things have maybe like a sort of a metaphysical structure. And I think about that and, you know, what that would mean, you know, like, say, I think that in the world, there are things that they have essences and their essences are really distinct from existence. Then from there, it's just, I think, like a matter of, teasing out the implications of, of what that means so you kind of you start with the existence of something and you think about it and you ask about the implications of it and then you kind of work out from there so in a way it's kind of like it's almost like a tree you know like you have you have the roots and then you kind of end up like with all these branches they extend in these different directions so the roots are kind of like acknowledging that there is a world and that you know there's these different features of experience in the world, such as the existence of composite things or contingent things and, and whatnot. And then you kind of build it from there. Uh, but like, that's like related to the God question. I mean, if you want to kind of get into the, you know, the sort of mind question, you know, like is, you know, mental stuff just like another kind of physical stuff? I think that, I mean, that's not... I don't know if it's necessarily like kind of an like an empirical question, like something that you could just observe. I and mean, that's kind of what most of how most of those arguments work. They say that these mental phenomena aren't observable in the same way that physical phenomena are. And they sort of argue from there that they're not so reducible. So I guess like with mental phenomena more than, than uh, like arguments for the existence of God, I think they require more of like a philosophical approach like a strictly philosophical approach as opposed to making use of some like empirical premise to reason to god
1: okay then okay so if you're gonna sort of use metaphysical arguments maybe or or i guess metaphysics in order to understand what ultimate reality is yeah so yeah let's start with god right like do you believe in god my friend and how have you arrived at that i guess position of believing in
2: him yeah. So, so for me, there's, I guess, like two, two different like ways that I believe in God. So the first way is going to have to do with, um, with reasons. And then like the second way is kind of going to be um, more of like, I would almost say like experience, you know, like religious type experiences. So in regards to like the reasons, I think like my favorite argument for the existence of God is going to be the similar to the argument that Aquinas presents in his short little book on being an essence. And that, that argument just sort of like starts with, you know, the fact that there are these sort of uh, beings that, you know, have, you know, ass- essences and their essences are it, I mean, there's, like, different stages of the argumentation, but I'm just going to, like, run through really quick. So you start with things, you know, they have essences, and those essences don't seem to secure, like, um, the existence of a thing, like, upon just, like, a purely conceptual analysis of the thing. And then when you kind of tease out the implications of, like, a being that only has, like, a conceptual dist- distinction between its essence and existence, you realize that there couldn't be, you know multiple beings if there's only a conceptual distinction and not a real distinction and you know given that we observe that there are a multiplicity of things um you know you could kind of figure out from there that there is a real distinction between essence and existence and then you kind of like tease out the implications of that and you know theoretically that would get you to god and that's like one avenue that i take uh that's not really like an argument that i would present. You know on the streets to like somebody who isn't you know like isn't too knowledgeable in philosophy um but it's just like from my own perspective it's the argument that makes the most sense to me um and then in regards to like the more experiential component i think um are are you familiar with like uh, c.s lewis's work at all yeah okay so like then you've like heard about his um his argument from desire and things like that yeah so yeah i mean there's yeah i think um i think phaser actually he, he kind of argues that way so he'll kind of go with like a natural loss sort where of, it's kind of like um like a four or a fifth way style argument but that's not really the way that i think of it even though i think that you know maybe you could craft an argument that way. I just think that um, I don't think everybody is going to be this way. I think maybe um, it's just something that some people have and some people don't. But and that might be just true of like religious experiences in general. But in my case, I think that, you know, what the sort of um, feeling that C.S. Lewis talks about in The Argument from Desire is similar to or pretty much identical to the one that that i'll feel you know the one that i'll feel when you know you look at a sunset or when you see a shooting star or you're looking at a beautiful mountain range or you know any like around like just beautiful things that sort of feeling uh to me just from my own personal viewpoint it almost just seems to like confirm the existence of some higher reality or you know, infinite object of, of goodness and beauty and whatnot. So for me, I think that's also a, a really good argument, but I'm not going to say that it's like a really good argument for, for everybody else. You know, it's just an argument that's really good for me because I've had those experiences and, you know, I don't have like a, a knockdown argument to the effect that these experiences are like necessarily religious ones you know it could be the case that they are you know wholly natural in nature I know um Eric Lelandberg has an argument that argues that they are but but yeah it's just from my own personal viewpoint how I kind of look at it so yeah I, I have like two broad avenues the more experience experiential side of reasoning and then the more strictly reasons-based side of reasoning.
1: All right. But with all these arguments, would um would are you are you saying that you could like prove God exists or simply like, oh, all these arguments that indicate that God might exist? How do you look at it?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Um it, it's something that that I've been thinking about a lot recently. Uh and I think that I mean, if I were really, to if I were to say that, you know, say the um, the the argument from Aquinas, if I were to say that that proved God existed, then I think that would almost seem to mean that a rational person couldn't disagree with me on the argument. And I don't want to say that because I don't know of like any argument like for or against the existence of God is like that powerful to where like all rational persons have to believe that in that argument and its conclusion. So what I'll say is, I just think that it's an argument that's very, it's very reasonable. Like, I think you could be rational, hold to that argument and, you know, I think be justified in holding to that argument, you know, as long as you, you know, made sure that your reasoning was sound at just every stage of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: but so with, you, with your reasoning would you say that you can prove god exists or is it something just an, as an indicator that god might exist
2: hmm. i think that well because I, I don't want to like say that i think you can't prove that god exists because that would almost seem to indicate that i'm like an agnostic which i'm not um i'll say that i think well I, i'm a theist so i'm a i'm a theist but um so would you think of like, I don't, I, I, I would say that probably in this life, we can't arrive at complete knowledge of God. But I think that these arguments, it's like by certainty, are you saying like, I'm a hundred percent certain? Like I would, no. Okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that then I wouldn't say that I'm a hundred percent certain that these arguments get you to that. But the way that I see it is that these arguments in a way, they kind of like, Form like this network that, like, once you have all of them in play, or sorry,
1: they paint a picture and show you like uh, they indicate that God probably might exist. I guess.
2: Yeah, I, I think. I mean, I, I wouldn't say like. um I don't know if you know because I no, like Swinburne has an approach like this where he kind of thinks that like the balance of evidence tips one more in like favor of theism. I, w- I would agree with him on that point. I mean, I, I would disagree with Swinburne on a lot of other things, but I would agree with him on that point that the balance of evidence does tip one in favor of theism. And I think that the way that my own sort of wait, sorry, are you, so,
1: yeah, so are you tipped in favor of God's existence that, due to the arguments that you? Yeah, like followed? like
2: I said, I think yeah, I think that if you take all these arguments together, uh, because it's not just like it's not just you know the cosmological arguments, right? it's not just like the experiential arguments like you also have to think about um the arguments that that atheists put forward against the existence of god and you have to evaluate that and then you also have to look at arguments in favor of naturalism and maybe difficulties that the naturalism has and if you think of theism and naturalism as like competing worldviews like if you think of them as the competing worldviews and i think Having good reasons to, to not believe in in one, kind of, would lean you more towards the other if that's the only other view, on um.
1: I don't think so. Like you could you could be in you could be like an idealist but not a theist.
2: You know. So how are you defining natural then?
1: All right. Like for example, like so, naturalist is someone who just um. Who believes that everything that that exists in the in the universe is is, is this the, the, so resulted from natural phenomenon, right? But you know you could be an idealist, someone who's like a like a like a believes in a, in an impersonable pantheist universe, but not be a like a theist, you know, like someone who's a classical theist.
2: So why are you thinking that naturalism uh, excludes? you know mind kind of being more foundational than matter
1: well then we with that you know we would have to go like on on understanding ontology and i i guess so and that that really sources from the hard problem of consciousness right now right like and and all that stuff so it doesn't necessarily mean that if you're a naturalist that you would you're juxtaposing you have to juxtapose it with theism you know it it, you could just be like an uh not agree with theism
2: okay so so you don't think that theism and naturalism are like the only options on the table you think idealism is kind of
1: i don't think they're i don't think they're opposites like exactly like i don't think that that then the negative the negation of of theism would lead you to being a naturalist
2: even if they were just the only options on the table you don't think that would be the case like hypothetically well
1: if if they were the if if they were on the only options in the table no i don't think there's like a re well if the if like there's the own literally the only two options there probably yes you know the the negation of one will indicate the other but you know from how we understand reality there are so many possibilities and and so there are other options other than
2: Yeah well i guess i guess my only <clears throat> i think my my main problem with that is that the category of of natural things has always been kind of vague to me because you do have naturalists that say
0: <clears throat>
2: sorry that say um you know like phenomenal properties it could just be you know the intrinsic aspect of, of physical things because they think that science only gives you like the structure of reality but doesn't get you to the to the intrinsic structure so they're you know uh i think it's epistemic structural realists and that would i mean i don't know if that would necessarily i think that would kind of be almost like a kind of idealism in a way because there's different ways to cash out idealism and if you think that phenomenal properties you know go all the way down and they're like you know just like part of the material world like in like an equal aspect of the material world then i don't know to me like that doesn't seem that far away from idealism but by the way i don't think it's it's too essential to
1: yeah but i guess you did say right you did um Yeah, you did say that um, necessarily. If you're if you're not a theist, then you're you're a naturalist. And if you're not a naturalist, necessarily it entails that you're a theist. Well, I I have to disagree with that.
2: Yeah, I guess I guess that just kind of comes from like my own view that these really are like the two like options on the table. But like again, like I just want to say that that's my view. I mean, I that would be like a whole different discussion you know we would have to get in a debate over all that but
1: yeah maybe maybe you could tell me sort of how you understand like why one necessarily entails the other
2: yeah so i mean if theism is understood as like the view that there's a supernatural causal thing right and naturalism is the denial Of the view that there are supernatural causal things you know it's only the affirmation that there are natural causal things it would seem to me that you know if theism is false on that definition then the naturalism would be true as long as you think that causality is a real feature of the world and then in regards to naturalism it's if it's false that there are only natural causal things and if the categories of supernatural versus natural are exhaustive then that would the denial of the view that there's only natural causal things would seem to indicate that there's a supernatural causal thing or things you know like that definition of naturalism is the way that um the gram defines it and i mean i think that's probably like the best route for the naturalist to take because like saying otherwise that there are only like natural things and if there's kind of like a material component to that would make it the case that naturalists couldn't accept, you know, the existence of abstracta, and I think a lot of them do. So they would probably maybe agree with Abi and his definition there.
1: Alright. So then you you mentioned uh like a while ago that, you know, all these arguments, they sort of tip you leaning into believing that there is a God. But you're not necessarily saying that that you can 100% be certain that there is a god. So is this the case for you to uh, that you don't not sure like 100% that there's a god but you do you do believe that there's one.
2: Yeah, so you're asking if if I if my position is that I'm not 100% certain that there's a god but I believe there's one. Yeah, like I think on the basis of um a philosophical reasoning, you know, alone then yeah, I'm not hundred percent certain um there's a god but that would apply to like other things too like i'm not a hundred percent certain that you know we that we in some way or another will persist after death either I, I actually think i'm i'm less certain of that of that view uh than you know my certainty regarding the existence of god you know so i i don't want to like single put like, god out here about things that are, like, really important questions in philosophy that I kind of have doubt about. Um, You know, there's other, like, big questions, like, you know, whether there's a soul of some kind that, you know, that allows us to persist after death. uh, Even that is something that I'm not really too certain on either.
1: Yeah, okay, that's interesting. All right, so if you're not really certain that there is a God, but you sort of, um, you are a Christian, right, bro? All right, so can you tell me uh, but okay, okay, like going back a step backward, all right, then if you're sort of looking at all these arguments and yeah, and they tip you on tip the scale and leave and lead you to believing in that there might be a God, but you're not sure hundred percent sure, can you sorta of, um tell me like how you would sort um understand the nature of this God, maybe. How, and maybe like you say, would you say like the the universe is sort of a reflection, and as to uh, the the divine nature?
2: A reflection. Um, I don't think I would say a reflection, um, but it, it's interesting that that you use that that language of like reflection because that almost seems like a almost like Neoplatonic uh, in like in the way that the the intelligible realm is related to the material world and you know i'm kind of i kind of lean towards like a neoplatonic view about particular things within philosophy generally but i would say that with with these arguments uh, they some of them more than others are going to point you in the direction of god being simple you know so and i I think a lot of this it, it depends on the outset like what sort of metaphysical framework you're working within. Because I mean, if you're if you're not working within like a Thomistic framework or something like that, I think it's gonna be a lot harder to get to divine simplicity and the way that Thomists understand it than it is.
1: I'm asking like how do you understand God?
2: What, what do you think I think God is like within himself, like his own nature? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, fundamentally, I understand God as being uh, simple, and you know, the sustainer of everything else. That's like, how do I arrive at it? Yeah, I arrive at that uh, primarily through uh, my favorite argument that I mentioned earlier, through Aquinas's way to God that he gives in um, in that little book on being an essence, where you. You know, you have things in the world that there's a real distinction between their essence and existence. And, you know, essence can't sustain a thing within its own being because, you know, an essence has to exist before it could do anything. So, since existence is prior to essence and existence doesn't come from, you know, from essence, like I just said, then, you know, if you have a certain Uh, principle at play that I didn't really mention, but I can if you want, Um, it leads you to the idea that existence has to come from outside of the substance in question, has to have a cause, and that sort of causality isn't the sort of causality that could be had without a primary member that kind of has that, um, I don't want to say property, but has that feature in question, you know, of itself, and it bestows that feature. Know, continually, upon all other things.
1: Mm, so you sort of um adopted Thomism, right, in order to to describe to find out, like, describe God as this uh, divinely simple being.
2: Yeah, I mean, kind of. So the thing about about that argument in particular is that the general like structure of it, where you point to some feature of a thing that the thing in question can't secure for itself. And therefore that feature requires like an active sustainer of that feature. That's not specific to Aquinas. So like <clears throat> Plotinus has a similar argument and uh, there's also, um, uh, you know, Stephen Nemish, uh, there's this, um, I guess like this phenomenologist who has like a similar argument in terms of structure and okay yeah i I haven't watched that interview but i've you know listened to the to a couple of the other ones uh but i'll i'll have to check that one out later but i mean i've i've read a bit of that argument and just from like the brief amount that i've read i'm like okay this seems like the same sort of overall structure as Aquinas's, and you know that seems to be repeated like across different thinkers too uh you know there's this book uh, by John, uh, from John Whipple, who's a Thomist, but it's like a collected series of papers by these different scholars that, uh, it's like, um, I think it's called it the ultimate why question. And in that book, uh, different thinkers from like, uh, Asian thought and, uh, you know, medieval and Arabic and, and other kind of areas of the world all kind of have similar argumentation. So I would say that by endorsing Aquinas's reasoning, I don't want to say that that kind of makes me like a student of Aquinas in any way, because I think his reasoning, um, the way that he says it is the most comfortable way of of me saying it uh, for me to say it. But I do think that there is a bit of wiggle room in the metaphysics involved and in kind of how you're going to understand God based off of the sort of, I guess, sort of like the terminology that you use. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. All right. So in this sense, um, can you tell me how you've arrived at Christianity? Is it simply like a basis of like the historical accuracy of the Bible and the Gospels and the Christ's resurrection? Um, why do you believe in Christianity?
2: Yeah, cr- Christianity is is actually it's pretty diff. It's a pretty difficult one because um, I I don't know how confident like I am in historical aspects of like the Old Testament, and I'm not sure like how much of that you have to believe to be considered like a legitimate Christian. Yeah, um,
1: you, I guess you have to have believe like the the Nicene Nicene Creed. I guess that's the most basic.
2: Yeah, like. So, I would say that for me, uh, Christianity, the whole question about like, Christianity comes after the question of God, right? And I think the view that you have of God matters here. So, you know, if you're a theist like me and you believe that, you know, God, you know, has like this active causal influence on the world, he's not like a Sort of a deist god, where he just causes the world and then leaves, um, or whatever, does something else. He's actively sustaining the world, has some sort of like relationship with the world, and you think that this god is is good in some sense, and I guess also like aware of us in another way. You would think that, I mean, that it would reveal something about itself to us, you know, in some way, and I think that. I mean, I think part of this, again, like you're almost going to have to appeal to like what you, what you think a person would do. And maybe that's not applicable to like what the divine would do, because we're talking about something that's radically other. But I guess like what I would say is that when I think about, about God and his nature as a theist, I think that it seems a bit more likely than with other models of God, that it would in some way reveal itself so once you have that in play um i think cases where you know religions claim to have some sort of like revelation from the divine kind of become a bit more plausible than they would have otherwise been and you know i'm not like a religious scholar so i haven't like researched you know everything that i that I could but I think that Christianity with its, um, you know, more of its historical components is, is pretty plausible. And like I said, I mean, I think part of this is also going to have to do with your own views about, um, about religious, religious experience, and whether that could kind of incline you towards the direction of a particular religion and, Yeah. I mean, with, with that, I mean, I'm not going to say like the argument for the resurrection is like amazing uh, because I don't think it's like an incredible argument, you know, like the kind that's defended by William Lane Craig, but still, I think it's, it's decent enough. And, you know, with a certain model of God in mind, I think that Christianity looks to be pretty plausible. And if you sprinkle in some, Religious experiences that seem to be tied to Christianity. Then, I think that that's why I consider myself a Christian.
1: Yeah. So, you 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 believe that Christianity is plausible, right? And that's why you you are a Christian right now. But you don't really see the evidence as strong enough, right? But you are sort of arguing, like from also from like a experiential religious experience perspective as well so that's one of like the big arguments you have why you you are believer right
2: yeah because i mean i mean i think most christians will say like that that when it comes to to jesus he's not like some um you know static figure from the bible that you only read about um you know like i think most christians would say or at least most Christians that have had some sort of religious experience would say that Jesus is more like a dynamic character within, within their own lives that, you know, he's a a person to encounter within, you know, church and within, you know, reading the word and, you know, things like that. So it, I mean, like for me, I just think that, you know, Christianity is, is plausible. Um, I think I'm more certain that God exists than I am. That christianity is true um that's not to say that like i'm an agnostic christian i know that that's a category that some people would include themselves in but i mean i think i'm a bit more confident in like the argument from the resurrection and like in my own religious experiences you know than that but but yeah i think that's what why i would consider myself a a christian and you know i can't stress enough because like I can't stress enough the the whole, you know, you would think that God would reveal himself component because, you know, there was one time where I was like really considering um, just being like a neoplagianist. So kind of having like a strictly uh, philosophical sort of system without like any religious component. And I remember just kind of like personally finding it implausible in the sense that you know, within Neoplatonism, you know, there is like an afterlife, you know, like there's like a, an element of like reincarnation for those that like, I guess, don't like ascend high enough or whatever, but not like a religious one. I mean, I, I I consider myself like kind of like a student of their metaphysics, but I wouldn't adopt their like religious beliefs. So like, um, like with the Neoplatonists, like they would say like, okay, there, there is a way to sort of achieve like the good afterlife, right? And I, I'm, I'm simplifying things here by like calling it an afterlife and good and all of that. But they would say that there's a way to do that. And to me, I just find it implausible that, I mean, every every human would have this capacity, right, to enter into the to the afterlife, like this ideal afterlife. But you're telling me that that the one, you know, when um, I'm going to kind of speak of it as a person for a bit, even though I know that's not strictly true. But you're telling me like this, this deity would create the world in such a way that only a few individuals would ever really like come to this knowledge because you have to be pretty philosophically advanced to come up with this on your own, you know? So you're telling me that you would have to be like more so like a philosopher that is like very gifted and who comes around like thousands and thousands of years after, you know, humans are kind of becoming like how we are now. Like you're going to, Wait for that before people could start learning how to, you know, attain the afterlife. And then there's like the whole project of like working towards an afterlife that I just find really implausible, just because I think humans are so fallible that you're almost you're going to need like some <clears throat> some sort of assistance in order to to attain it. So when I th- when I think about like the, 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 these different considerations. I don't know, that's why Christianity starts to, to make a lot more sense to me, you know, just because, you know, you have mm-hmm. a system in place where, you know, God did, um, you know, come down to help us, you know, attain immortality. And God has revealed himself to us and, you know, in a person. And I mean, I know that questions could be asked about whether, you know, that was the best way to do it, like whether communicating it, you know, in this isolated part of the world, you know, with you know, sort of, like, oral tradition at first, before was written down, whether that was, like, the most effective way of doing it, but I mean, like, how many, like, millions of people, like, are Christian, you know, throughout history, and, like, today, I mean, obviously, it works somehow, so I don't know, like, I just, when I consider, like, these other things, they might not be persuasive to others, but from my own perspective, like, when I think about it, that's what kind of makes me think Christianity is that much more plausible over, like, a strictly sort of philosophical theism.
1: I guess you you just found Christianity is this alternative to to just being this philosopher philosopher that you know neoplatonist philosopher because it also answers like the the problems the big questions about the afterlife like morality and all that stuff right and it's very pragmatic to be Christian too yeah it,
2: it it's also it, it it's not it's not even so much that it answers, it's not just that it answers the question, because Neoplatonism does that too, right? Like you have an afterlife there, and you have a God and and things like that. But it's more so that I think the way that that's understood and the way that that's come, that's come to us, came to us, is more intelligible under Christianity. And I, I do want to say like, I mean, you know, when you think about like Pascal's wager too, I think that that's like, almost like the final cherry on top of like everything that I've discussed so far. So like I've discussed, you know, arguments for theism that are reason-based arguments for theism that are based on experience. So I've talked about, uh, you know, Christianity making a lot of sense and it almost seeming a bit more likely on certain models of theism. I've talked about, you know, why I'm not a naturalist. And my, my dog's barking right now. I don't know if you can hear that. Um, yeah. Uh, so. I've talked about all of that. And what I'm saying is that gosh, I lost my train of thought seeing dog. Um, yeah, but what I, what I was going to say is that I think that when all that's considered and you think about like Pascal's wager that, you know, really it, it it's, it's sort of binary, right? Like either God exists or he doesn't. And if God exists in the way that, that I think he exists, then I stand to gain so much more than, than I have to lose by believing in him and by, you know, kind of living my life, you know, in accordance with with his will. So I think that when I already think theism is, is plausible in Christianity, and then I also think about Pascal's wager, like, I'm not thinking about it also like solely in terms of like the benefits, right? Like, I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, some gambler, but I do want to say like, I mean, like I do desire God as like the highest good as well. And so when I think about that, it's just like an extra motivation, I guess, to really hold a theism, you know? And, you know, cause, cause I mean, William Valicella, I I don't know if I mispronounced his last name there, but <laughs> William Valicella, he has this uh this blog and he he talks about this you know a lot. He's like, you know, at the end of your life, like w- what's really been lost by having kind of like lived with a sort of Christian ethic, like not really anything. I mean, because like the Christian ethic makes sense in a lot of ways. I mean, like sure you might miss out on like a few basic like pleasures, but I mean, sometimes, like, you know, abusing those pleasures, I mean, almost all the time, abusing those pleasures isn't really a great thing for you either. So, like, at the end of your life, if you lived your life in accordance with, like, a Christian ethic, what have you really lost, you know, if you do die and it wasn't true? Like, you lived your life as being, like, a really good person. And that's not to say that non-Christians can't be good persons because some of the best people I know are non-Christians. but. You know, it's just to, to kind of illustrate that, that general point that you won't lose anything by, you know, betting on God and you stand to gain everything. So all that together is, you know, why I am a theist, you know. So
1: uh, can you tell me then, like, what does it mean to be a Christian? Like, you know, do you, do you not, so, you're someone who doesn't really 100% believe that God to exist. You see Christianity as plausible, and God as plausible, but and but you act in a way that it is true, it's because you know it's useful in, in the Pascal's wager and everything, and in the in in Christian ethic is very useful too, and I guess sort of in the right, I guess from your perspective. So how do you? How should one act and live as a Christian, and, and you know f- what is the meaning of life? for a christian and why are we here and how and you know just um how are you living that life right now
2: well for me it's you know it's a matter of i mean because when when you say should that that, to me i'm like oh okay i don't want to be that guy that says hey you should you know live my sort of life you know because uh that sounds almost like pretentious but um I'll just say that, you know, from my perspective, you know, living as a Christian, you know, it it it's a it's a journey, you know, it, it's something that, you know, it's an ongoing journey, you know, with with God, it's reflecting on God, it's trying your best to live in life, live your life in accordance with his will, you know, to be a good person and you know, to help others and, you know, just kind of obey that sort of Christian ethic that good old Christian ethic and you know I you know won't say that I'm the best representative of that you know I'm like I said earlier humans are fallible and I'm a human so I'm fallible as well but but yeah I think that with people and I guess like how I think you know life should be as a Christian I think you know I would I would probably I think point more towards problems that that I've seen in my own experience and just say that I think be a bit more, be a bit more open, you know, don't be so close-minded and love others and, you know, don't treat them with hate, even if they're, you know, different from you and either in terms of their belief or, you know, and other things and, and yeah, I would say, look at everybody. I, I mean, you mentioned earlier about, you know, mirrors and whether this world is a reflection of of God in a sense and look at humans and see them as reflections of God in a way you know we're all made in the image of God and we're worthy of, of love and respect on the basis of that and I think that you know that's how life should be lived you know we're social animals we live in communities and I think that that's important to our own proper functioning you know being in a community and living with others and I think that kind of Again, recognizing that man is made in the image of God would help to foster a better sense of community. And I think that would just lead to better feelings for everybody, you know, make everybody feel better. I think that that's the whole thing about, you know, man and, you know, needing a community, I think is like pretty evident nowadays, you know, like living in quarantine. I think a lot of people are recognizing that we are social animals now more than ever before. Um, at least from my experience, a lot of people aren't liking it. Um, I, I kind of enjoy quarantine, but that's just me. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of like how I think about living life as, as a Christian. I think it could be summed up as like, you know, follow God and don't be a jerk.
1: Tobias, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. It's been awesome talking to you. And, um, yeah, bro. Uh, it's, it's been really nice learning from, from your perspective and understanding how you You've developed your own worldview.
2: Yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed the conversation, man.
1: So that's the end of it. Thanks for tuning in, guys. This is your host, Elmo Ador Jr. And thank you for listening in. And please subscribe. Please follow us on Facebook. Please please follow this. Please. Thanks.
0: We're moving in a new direction, moving forward, and moving beyond smoking. We are Altria, and our companies are leading the way in moving adult smokers away from cigarettes by taking action to transition millions toward potentially less harmful choices as we move from being known as a tobacco company to being recognized as a tobacco harm reduction company. Altria is moving beyond smoking. Find out how at altria.com.